All right. So this next session is going to be much more down into uh, discovering the dreams that God has for our life. Um, and so what we're going to start about off with is why does God put dreams in our lives? What's the purpose for them? And um, the first one is so we can live for what is right. First Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Um, so that's very clear. <laughs> to live for what is right. Um, the next one, to give us a hope in a future. Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. And Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. That means you, his holy people who are right and his right and glorious inheritance. Um, the hope in the future part, Proverbs also talk, you know, that verse we've probably all heard maybe here and there, hope deferred makes a heart sick. God wants us to have a hope for our future and a purpose for our future so that we have something that motivates us and gets us up in the morning. <laughs> that we have something to stretch for and reach for. And, and um, so uh, he, I'm hoping that through this journey today and ongoing, that if you don't already know the dreams and desires that God has put in your heart, that God will start to awaken those. Or maybe it's things that you've forgotten. And that's some of the stuff that we're talking about. Because we want to have you to wake up in the morning with that idea of I'm headed here and so I have motivation and I have energy to get up. So how do I discover the dreams have pl that God has placed in my life? The first thing is get rid of the things that hold you back. So this can be not necessarily in regards to your future dreams or the things that you think you'd like to do, but just life in general. Get rid of those things in your life that are holding you back. The first one is sinful nature or wrong behavior. Colossians 3, 5 to 11 says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You can go to the next. Yeah. Um, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. <laughs> um, so the next one is um, that we should get rid of that could hold us back is relationships. We kind of already touched on this a little bit in the last session with purity of um, are there relationships in your life that are discouraging? Are there people in your life that are, um, when you're around them, you leave feeling depressed or angry or frustrated or hopeless? Um, relationship drains. Um, then you need to decide whether or not that's something you need to cut off or change or 
Maybe pray if it's a family member or a spouse, pray for a miracle. <laughs> and have other people that support you along the way as well. Um, but relationships can definitely be something that can deter us from what God has for us, or they can spur us on, right? Um, the next one is wrong thinking. So what is the truth? What does God say about, do you, about you? What do friends who really know you and encourage you say about you? You know, I think that this is probably the number one tool that Satan likes to use in women is trying to tell us we're not good enough. When we were talking about this in our small group session, how many of you enjoyed the questions and the discussion in those groups? Um, I wrote those to try to help you get the thought process forward for what we're talking about right now. Um, and one of the things that came up in our group is kind of that idea of being honestly the perfect woman. You know, how clean is your house? How well can you cook? How perfect are, is your house decorated? How often do you do things with your children that are amazing and incredible? There's so much pressure that we put on ourselves. And honestly, a lot of it has to do with Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all those things because you see the good side of people. But how many of you post pictures of yourself or your kids when all hell is breaking loose at home? Nobody does that. We're all putting our best face and even sometimes our pretend face forward and no one sees the rest of life. And so we kind of get this idea of this is how I should be or they have it together. How come I don't have it together? I remember when I was first married thinking, I'm terrible when it comes to house cleaning and cooking compared to my mom. And then God said, your mom's been doing it a lot longer than you've been doing it. Give yourself some grace. <laughs> and so um, I know that that's one thing that we were talking about that I struggle with too of um, you know, trying to be that um, get everything done so that my house is clean whenever anyone comes over. It's just not possible sometimes. And so I have to be at peace with myself to be okay with that. And that's something that I, that I definitely work on. But, um, but also beyond that, what is God saying about you? That you're his daughter, that you're redeemed, that you're purified, that you're forgiven, that you're his princess, right? That we're his ambassadors on the earth. The Bible is full of those kinds of things. And in the light of that, who cares what other people say about you, right? And if you have someone in your, in your life that's telling you things that are not in line with God, if they're saying things to you that are degrading and making you think that you're not worthy of a calling that God would place in your life or worthy of blessings that God may be trying to send your way. And sometimes that means not an actual person that's next to you, but a recording in your mind from someone that was in your life a long time ago. That can be an issue too. And so those are things that we need to use the, the word of God and use prayer time and worship and those things to purify our, purify our mind, to get those thoughts, those um, feelings that we have from circumstances out and get ourselves thinking on the truth, get ourselves thinking about positive stuff so that we have a positive momentum. All right, the next one is being a house divided. Now I know that the verse in there that talks about um, a house being in the Bible, that a house being divided cannot stand. And a lot of times we think about it's done in such a way that it's like, you know, if your family is super contentious, it's going to be hard. Or if you're, you know, there's a lot of different ways. But today I want you to think about it as you being the house. 
You're the house. And if you're divided, you can't stand. And what I mean by that is you need to be you wherever you are. So if you're one person at church and one person at home and one person at work and one person on social media and one person when you're, when you're with your friends and one person when you're out by yourself, right there, that's just six people I named. <laughs> if you're that many people, it gets complicated and it gets exhausting. And the more that you can, under the grace of God, bring yourself to be one person, one true person, meaning you're not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to get everything done. Sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing. Sometimes you're going to do the wrong thing. But your purpose and goal is a relationship with God and a good relationship with other people. Life is going to be a lot easier, and I think you'll find yourself more at peace. So... Just a, just a thought. Um, so the next thing is run toward the things that encourage and support you. So the first one is Jesus, of course, because he's the one that truly sees us, not just for who we are, but he sees our potential and what we can become. And he's going to encourage you and push you toward that, not in a, I guess I should say, lead you towards that, not push you towards that. He knows your potential. He knows everything about you. And yet, even though he knows everything about you, he still gives you love and grace and forgiveness, right? (laughs) So run towards Jesus. The second, this is going to be repetitive from the last one a little bit, but it's still true. Um, The word of God. If you um, are finding yourself times being trapped with especially kind of a recording of things that people have said to you, whether it's your parents or a teacher or whoever, having Bible verses memorized that combat that is very powerful. And it's also something that you can just speak out loud and it stops that voice because not only are you speaking it, but you're hearing it and then you can't speak or hear that negative thing. And so the word of God is a powerful tool against that. Um, Church, is the third one. And um, Sunday mornings and life group, both great ways to get support and prayer, to be in the presence of God, to learn more about God and each other. And Ben and my goal for each of you being in the church and your families is that you take another step towards Jesus. That's it. Just take another step to Jesus. And so... Um, church is a great way to do that. And life group, oh my, we have some amazing conversations in our life group. I love it. And learning about each other and learning about the word of God and being able to pray and support each other. It's so great. So um, number four is friends. Um, again, we talked about that before, so I'm, I'm going to move on from it. But um, friends are so important. Um, So all of these things together can give us a foundation for discovering what God has for us. Because what all those things can help you do is line up in your relationship with God and get closer to God. Um, All right, so the next one is discovering your passion. Now, different ones of these items may apply to different people. We're all in different areas of life. Married, not married, children, no children, younger, older working, not working. We all are from different places, so not all of these are going to mean the same thing to everybody. 
Um, so the first one is, what were your childhood dreams? I love asking children what they want to do when they grow up because you get the funniest answers. When Ben was little, he wanted to be a um, bull rider, like in the rodeo with the bucking bull. He wanted to be a bull rider. So his little sister, Angie, who loved to just follow him there, I think they're two and a half years apart. When, he, when she heard him say that he wanted to be a bull rider, she said that she wanted to be a pink bull. <laughs> when she grew up so that they would always be together. <laughs> so, um, you know, there is a reason why even as a child, we are drawn to certain things because before you were on this earth, God had a purpose for you and he already planted some of those dreams and desires in you. And so even at a young age, those things are there. Um, the number two is what captures your interest the most? So when you hear people talking about something, what is it that makes you engage completely and where you're asking questions and you, then it makes you want to learn more about it. It makes your, like your heart race a little bit, or you get really excited and you all of a sudden you feel happy and joyful when they're talking about that subject. So what I'm trying to do is give you ideas for if you really don't know, or you're not quite sure, I'm trying to give you some ideas to think about to help you find that. Um, the third one, what group of people are you the most sympathetic with women, children, underprivileged, uneducated, wealthy, very educated, could be anything, but is there a certain group of people that you are drawn to that you find yourself, if you see something pop up online, an article about a group of people that you're going to read it. Or if you overhear a conversation about something, you're interested, what group of people draw you. Um, number four, what hobby or activity gives you the most joy, energy, and passion? We did talk about hobbies being one of the discussion questions in the small groups. And, you know, they can be so varied because there's so many things that you could spend your extra time on and stuff. Um, but sometimes what we like to do in our spare time can very much be tied into what God might have for you long term. Because God wants you to enjoy what he has for you long-term. It's not a bummer. Doesn't mean it's not going to be easy, but it's not a bummer, right? And so um, sometimes even thinking about hobbies, um, Becky talked about baking, that that's one of her hobbies, or gardening, or fishing. <laughs> um, and so uh, what are your hobbies? Number five, what thing or type of people do you find yourself praying about the most? So if you're driving down the street and you see something or somebody, does it motivate you to pray? And if it does, that might be a clue. Or if you're in your prayer time, and I know there's times where, not very often, but occasionally I'll be like, okay, I'm done, you know, Holy Spirit, what else is it that you want me to pray about now that we've gone through all and then he'll drop something in my heart. But what is it that you kind of naturally, even in your own prayer time, you feel yourself sometimes head in that direction? That could be a clue. Um, to discover your passion, get help from others. Sometimes having someone just ask you questions about yourself, and especially if they're a good question asker, <laughs> it's a skill. <laughs> um, 
if they can ask a question and then follow up and maybe dig a little deeper and sometimes just getting asked those questions and hearing yourself talk about it, you might click into something. That's another way to do it. Number seven, realize that no dream is unworthy. This is really important, and I want you to hear me very carefully. God made all types of people and all types of jobs, all types of situations, and what one person does for God is no more worthy than what another person does for God. The fact that I'm up here today makes me no more worthy than someone who is taking care of two little girls every day or teaching a class of kids or working in a coffee shop. If you're in a job and you're doing it for God, that's what matters. Because God has you there for a reason because there's people who are going to come across your path that I will never see or meet. And if you weren't there... Who would be there? And if you're an artist or a mechanic (laughs) or whatever you are, all of that is valid. All of it is important because God can use you in any of those ways to touch people. And I think that's another lie that Satan likes to tell us is that, well, we like to compare. Women are really good at comparing one another, right? Well, maybe if I could do what she did... I would have more impact on people or I would you wouldn't be successful over there because that's not what God made you to be. God put you where you are for a reason and that's where you're going to be the most successful. So please, please, please don't compare because God made you, you. He made me, me. He made Brittany, Brittany. (laughs) Um, Number eight, Realize the difference between what is in your hand and what is in your heart. I want to explain this for a second. This is a whole message unto itself. So God has things that he's put in your heart. But then along the way, that's like the thing that we're talking about that gets you up in the morning, that you want to work towards, that you hope to become. But along the way is the rest of the stuff the job you have to do because you need to put food on your table and pay your rent. Or you lost a job and say you just need to get a job even though you like the other one better, but it's gone now. Or just different circumstances come up. It doesn't mean that you're not on your path any longer, that you're not going in the way that God has for you to go. It's just part of the journey. And so... What, in, what I mean by in your heart is that's the stuff, the ultimate goal, the ultimate thing that you're looking for. What is in your hand is what you're doing right now. And they are connected. Even if they don't feel like it, they are connected. So for me, new, especially, you know, once um, Ben, before Ben and I were married and stuff, that um, we'd be living in the United States and that eventually we would start a church or pastor a church and that we wanted it to be in a city. So a lot of the things that I did, even in early on in our marriage, have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with that <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and even some of my early jobs that I had before that, nothing whatsoever to do with what I'm doing right now, seemingly, right? But looking back, my job in HR at um, where I was helping people get jobs in the company 
I'm now able to help people write their resume so they can get a job and teach them how to interview so that they get hired. Well, back then it didn't have anything to do seemingly like with being a pastor's wife, pastoring a church, but it's a part and a function that can help people in the church. And so there's so many things that you might absorb along the way that you think has nothing at all to do with where you're going, but it has everything to do with where you're going. And so don't feel like if you, if you feel stuck in a moment, in a job, or something that's happening in your life and it makes you feel stuck and makes you feel like you're not heading that direction any longer, don't give up hope. You are learning something that is going to be valuable later on. Just be patient, keep talking to God about it, and eventually you will get to the place where what's in your hand and your heart match. Okay? And the last one, ask God to reveal it to you. (laughs) A lot of times I think that God is telling us frequently where he wants to go, where he wants us to go, but we don't listen. We're too busy or we're too exhausted, whatever. But sometimes just taking the time out, go away for a weekend by yourself, shut yourself in somewhere where there's no housework or anything to do, (laughs) and spend time fasting or praying and just asking God, what is it you want me to do? What? Tell me. If, if you're the one that has this, be honest, if you're the one that has this amazing plan for me that it says in your word, if you have a purpose for me that you gave to me before I was even born, I can't find it. Where is it? Be honest. God will tell you. And it, he may not tell you right then and there, but get the conversation started. And then see what happens. All right. Steps to stay on course with what God has prepared for you. So even if you feel like you still don't know where you're going, these are good steps to put into place and good practices for your life. Um, The first one is forgive every time we feel anger, mistrust, or bitterness. Forgive every time we feel anger, mistrust, and bitterness. In Matthew 18, 21 and 22, Jesus said to forgive 70 times 7. Now, that doesn't mean you have a tally mark in your notebook somewhere and you're like, I'm at 700. I'm almost done, right? Jesus is just saying you keep forgiving, right? And um, Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. This is the ouchy topic. But um, we, we need to forgive because we're all humans and we all mess up in this area. Say things we don't mean to, do things we don't mean to, so we need to give grace to each other. Um, the second one, release your past. Think on the present or the future. Don't keep rehearsing old memories in your mind. <laughs> Don't waste your time. Because you're a new creature. Remember what we talked about last time? 
God's forgiven you. He's made you a new person. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says, But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. This will allow us to do what the, um, what the next part says. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. 2 Corinthians five fifteen through 17 He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. There is nothing that is going to stop you from going forward more than getting stuck in your past. It's like chains anchoring you to that memory in that moment that only reach so far and then you can't go any farther. And if you personally are having a hard time letting go of something that happened to you, whether it was crazy circumstances or a person that was another person that was involved, and you need help to get past it and to forgive so that you can move on, please talk to me. Talk to your life group leader. Get help. It's possible. All right. Um, Part of that is let others make their own choices and let go of the illusion of control. We are not in control. God is. That's the thing that is so hard, and I talk to my children about it all the time, because they're like, Mom, why did they do that? Why did they say that? How come they acted that way? And I have to say, it's because they have a free will. They get to choose, just like you do, what they do in a circumstance, how they treat somebody. Everybody gets to choose. You're not in control of someone someone else's behavior, someone else's thinking, someone else's anything. They are, and God is. All right, stop trying to punish others with anger or unforgiveness. Anger and unforgiveness only hurt ourselves because I've had this. Have you ever had something where you got angry and frustrated at someone for something and then you go and confront them about it and they had no idea what you were talking about? (laughs) Because they were just oblivious at the moment or maybe something else was going on in your life that made you extra sensitive and so, you know... And then have you heard the thing that unforgiveness is like you taking poison and expecting the other person to drop dead? (laughs) Right? (laughs) So anger and unforgiveness can definitely build walls that won't let anything in, good or bad. And um, the Bible also talks about God knowing that we're hurt and contending for us. So the next one is trust in the Lord instead of ourselves or others. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Great verse. (laughs) Um, Believe that with God, our wounds can make us stronger. Bitterness, forgiveness, anger make us weaker. 
But if our wounds drive us closer to a loving God, we get stronger as we accept forgiveness, peace, and joy. The Bible is so great because there's nowhere in there where it talks about perfect people. Right? We say that church, no perfect people allowed. And if you've got those things from the past that have wounded you deeply, you do have that opportunity to run to God and for those things to make you stronger instead of weaker. But only God can do that. So that can be something that can be very healing and powerful. Um, number five, don't let fear hold you back. Second Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So what are you afraid of? Someone in our discussion table said that they weren't scared of failure, they were scared of success. That's a, I've talked to other people who have had that. Like, what, if, I, if I succeed, then what? You know, there's a lot of mixed emotions in that, but we can be scared of all kinds of things. Is the money going to be there? Will people support me? Will people laugh at me if I do that? Who's going to be at my side? There's so many things that can jump on us and, and go around and around in our minds. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Don't let fear stop you from what God is asking you to do. Sometimes you just have to take that leap and God's going to catch you. And once you know what God has for you, don't give up. Do you know how you know when you've gotten to that place? The Bible talks about perfect peace. Because when you have that perfect peace and you have the motivation that God's giving you, no matter what happens, you're solid. That for Ben and I, we have perfect peace that we're in the right place here because no matter what happens... We're not leaving. We have peace in the middle of the storm. That's what gets you through the storm. So once you know, don't give up. All right, I'm going to read a couple of little mini biographies about people. You ready? This is your make a finger fall off. Okay, Fred Astaire. In his first screen test, the testing director of MGM noted that Astaire, quote, can't act, can't sing, slightly bald, can dance a little. (laughs) Next one, Ludwig van Beethoven. In his formative years, Beethoven was incredibly awkward on the violin and was often so busy working on his own compositions he forgot to practice. Despite his love of composing, his teachers felt he was hopeless at it and would never succeed with the violin or in composing. Beethoven kept plugging along, however, and composed some of the best-loved symphonies of all time, Five of them while he was completely deaf. Winston Churchill. (laughs) The Nobel Prize winning, twice elected Prime Minister of the United Kingdom wasn't always well regarded as he is today. Churchill struggled in school and failed the sixth grade. After school, he faced many years of political failures as he was defeated in every election for public office until he finally became the Prime Minister at the age of 62. Aiko Morita. You may have not heard of him. His first company produced was a, produced a rice cooker that didn't cook rice so much as it burned it. And he sold less than 100 units. This first setback didn't stop him and his partners, and they pushed forward to create a now multi-billion dollar company called Sony. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. 
Oprah faced a hard road to get to the, to the position she's at today. However, enduring a rough and often abusive childhood, as well as numerous career setbacks, including being fired from her job as a television reporter because she was unfit for TV. Henry Ford. Well, Ford is today known for his innovative assembly line and American-made cars. He wasn't an instant success. In fact, his early businesses failed and left him broke five times before he founded Ford Motor Company. Abraham Lincoln. In his youth, he went to war as a captain and returned to private. So if you don't know what that is, he went backwards in the ranks. <laughs> he started numerous, numerous failed businesses and was defeated in numerous runs he made for public office. Thomas Edison. In his early years, teachers told Edison he was too stupid to learn anything. Work was no better, as he was fired from his first two jobs for not being productive enough. Even as an inventor, Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at invi- inventing the light bulb. He did not give up. Thank you, Thomas Edison. (laughs) R.H. Macy. Most people are familiar with Macy, department store. He started seven failed businesses before finally hitting it big with his store in New York City. Have any of you been to that store? Right on the wooden escalator? So cool. All right. Um, Theodore Seuss Geisel, better known as Dr. Seuss, had his first book rejected by 27 different publishers. And they're all kicking themselves today. (laughs) J.K. Rowling. Before she published a series of novels, she was nearly penniless, severely depressed, divorced, trying to raise a child on her own while attending school and writing a novel. She went on from depending on welfare to to survive to being one of the richest women in the world in a span of only five years. Steven Spielberg was rejected by the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts multiple times. Walt Disney. Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. (laughs) After that, Disney started a number of businesses that didn't last too long and ended with bankruptcy and failure. But I think he figured it out. He kept going. Woolworth, F.W. Woolworth. Some may not know this name today, but Woolworth was once the biggest name in department stores in the U.S. Before starting his own business, young Woolworth worked at a dry goods store and was not allowed to wait on customers because his boss said he lacked the sense needed to do so. Colonel Sanders was 65 when he launched Kentucky Fried Chicken. And Vera Wang failed to make the U.S. figure skating team. Then she became editor at Vogue and was passed over for the editor-in-chief position. She began designing wedding gowns at the age of 40 and is now one of the premier designers in the fashion industry with a business worth over $1 billion. So I took a lot of time to read all this to you because what's your excuse? Are you too old, too young, not smart enough? Not a good enough speaker, not pretty enough, too skinny, overweight, not good at meeting people. So let me read this to you. God chooses each of us to do something for him despite our past failures, limitations, and inadequacies. Abraham was old. Sarah was impatient. Noah got drunk. Miriam was a gossiper. Jacob was a cheater. If you don't know all these names, they're all biblical stories. 
Esther was an orphan, Rahab was a prostitute, Jonah ran away. David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was moody, one minute bold and courageous and the next fearful and on the run. Peter had a temper, Paul was a persecutor, Martha was a worrier, Thomas doubted, Zacchaeus was short, and Lazarus was dead. (laughs) So what does all of this mean? God has a plan for your life. (laughs) Next one, God's plan is not dependent on what others have said or done to you. Or what decisions you have made yourself. What wrong decisions you have made. The next one. It's never too late to find God's plan for your life and to start living it. (laughs) Um, So I sort of figured out my purpose. What now? Um, (laughs) I think one of the things that amazed me the most about the short bios that I did is how many people were told by others that they were incapable or not good enough or unworthy. And it wasn't true. And they didn't give up. And now you know that they succeeded much further than the person who was telling them they weren't worthy of it. Don't give up no matter what someone has said about you in the past. You ready? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what now? God has a plan for your life. Oh, so I figured it out. First, pray, pray, pray. Ask God for guidance, peace, help, hope, his love, his peace, and his forgiveness. Ongoing, every day. (laughs) Ask for these things. (laughs) The next one is get help. A practical mentor and or a spiritual mentor. So if you have a specific thing in mind, try and find someone who's already doing it. Because they're going to tell you how to get there, but they're also going to tell you about the negative and positive things of doing it. And that can be very beneficial for you setting yourself up for success. And a spiritual mentor, have someone who's going to challenge you spiritually and not so that in your pursuit of a thing that you forget your pursuit of Jesus. And so sometimes if you're lucky, that person can be the same one. I'm not saying that it has to be two different people, but try to have both of those in your life, a spiritual mentor and like a practical um, mentor that's going to help you with practical steps in your life. So go for both of those. And same as friends, if you have no idea who that person is or where to look, ask God to show them to you. He will. All right, the next thing is um, take practical steps. This can include education, reading, interviewing, internships, mentoring, volunteering, entry-level positions, rewriting your resume, and asking God for a miracle. (laughs) Find a starting point. Just find a starting point. That's why I put in volunteering. Volunteer an hour a week somewhere. Do something. And then see where God takes it. 
um, fight off any doubt, fear, loneliness, worry, bitterness, or unforgiveness. Just one of these by themselves can stop you, right? We talked about this. And if you have a mixture of them, it's just going to be harder. So you need to learn how to fight them off so that you can keep going. I think the interesting thing from my own life about being on this journey of being where God asked me to be is that I find it easier when I think of it as being an adventure or like being on a hike where you're not necessarily finding, following a map, but you're just kind of exploring. Because there are times when I feel very much on purpose where I feel like, okay, I'm going to go take this class and I'm going to learn this or I'm doing this and it's making me feel like I'm preparing. And then there were other times, like I said earlier, where it was like, why am I doing this? Why am I here all of a sudden? You know, when we were youth pastors in Virginia and um, they weren't able to keep us on there because of financial um, things going on in the church, we told them we would stay and just get jobs. Well, Ben, I was already working a job, but Ben would. But we really felt very strongly like God was saying, no, you need to move back to Portland. And it was heart-wrenching. I cannot tell you how awful leaving was, but we knew that God was telling us we needed to leave. And then when we got to Portland, we had no position. We had no jobs. We had no position, volunteer or otherwise, in the church waiting for us. We just went back. And it was one of the most dry, most lonely, most what are we doing? We have what's our purpose that I have ever gone through. And it was years of that. But the preparation and what God did in us, the strength and the courage and the stamina and the leaning on him and the trusting and the hoping that got dug into us during that process, I would do it again 10 times if I had to. It was horrible. (laughs) But I would do it again because of what I learned and who I became through it. And so if you're on a journey now and you feel stuck or later if you get to a place in your life where you feel like nothing's happening did my life just end and i didn't realize it where what is god still in this he is it's just a moment it's just a time and at some point something will change and you'll feel that motivation you'll feel that forward progress again don't get discouraged God has a plan for every part of your life that you go through. So if you can think of it as that kind of wandering through the forest and discovering things along the way and maybe you get lost and it gets cold and, you know, it's an adventure and it's it's a journey. And it's hard because we can't see the end. (laughs) But you will get there. And so I want to encourage you guys, just don't give up. Find people to support you. Find people that will help you make those next steps. Find people that will help you discover and move forward into what God has for you. And I promise you, when you get to that point, the journey will be amazing and the end will be amazing. So, that's it. So what we're going to do now is we are going to take a little bit of time. And I have a worksheet. Brittany's going to hand it out. And it is... um, a worksheet that's about hearing from God. So I know one of the questions that Ben and I get asked the most is, how do I hear from God? 